This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So tonight we're going to talk about the subject of being Adam Lachaveroi because we're in Svira. In Svira, 24,000 Tamid died because they didn't get along. They didn't show respect one for the other. So we're going to talk about Ben Almachavero, a person can do. I hope everyone had an amazing, amazing Pesach. One thing you learned this Pesach, what did you learn? That four out of ten days, you can be without your phone. People walking around, two days in a row, no cell phones, and the world, Matzah Yantif, and Matzah Shabbos, the world was still here. Trump was still president. Pretty much nothing changed. But everybody saw, I said, everyone thinks they're addicted. They're looking to look at, right? Two first days and the two last days, no phones. And you ate matzah. Which is interesting. Maybe I'll save it for next week's share. Right after you everyone had pizza. They ate for eight days, for ten days, at least in my hotel they did. They ate 24-7. And then the minute after Yantif, chomets, 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 and, and the bagels didn't come out and, and, and stuff didn't come out fast enough and everybody was going crazy. Why do we always have to run out of Kedusha? Like, if you wouldn't have had pizza that night, like, what would have happened, right? So, I said it to someone. I said, like, look at this. This is crazy. Wait till breakfast. Like, like, oh, Pesach's over. I'm free. I can have pizza. Like, what are you saying to Hashem? He said, just the opposite. He said, Wallace, you're looking at it totally wrong. Why? He said, it's just the opposite. You're showing Hashem that really you love pizza. And really, you want pizza. And the only reason you didn't eat pizza was because it was Pesach. So the minute afterwards, you're saying like, Hashem, you, you think I ate matzah because I like matzah, and I don't like pizza? No, I love pizza. So you're, you're showing him right away after Yantif that you're eating pizza. So you have to look at the good of everything. Everyone has to look at the good of everything. All right. So this is what happened. The, 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 we don't really understand what it means. They didn't show respect for each other. Even big Talmud comes, Rabbi Akiva's Talmud, and what exactly that means, but we know that by Tzadikim, Hashem is very, very strict. So, we don't know exactly what happened, but we know that for, that for, like, for the, at least 33 days, they were all dying. So, I think it's very important in the next Tul Shavuos, I mean a whole year, but Tul Shavuos, we should take on extra things to make other people happy. I'll tell you a crazy story. I don't know if I should tell you the story, but I'm going to tell you the story. Maybe I shouldn't tell you the story. No, it's a very crazy story. Oh, I might get into trouble for this. Okay. So, my body's out of whack a lot of times because of a lot of stress and a lot of stuff that I do. So I have a guy, uh, someone that I know very well for many years, he comes once a week, and he straightens my body out. Literally, he's a chiropractor, he's a masseuse, whatever it is, and like every week for an hour, he like straightens my neck out, my shoulders, everything else. Okay. So, I was in Florida for, for, um, for what's it called? For um, Pesach, but I was there a week before because we ran this whole big Pesach program. So... I was looking for someone that could do that for me. Of course, I would never let a woman touch me, so I had to find a guy. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not passing for anyone who goes to masseuse, whatever it is, because 
it's a medicine, it's a therapy I'm not getting into, but for myself, I would never let a woman touch me. So I found a place, Chinese place, acupuncture, the whole mice, all the stuff. I said, oh, before you have I'm going to get myself straightened out, right? So I go to this place, and of course, I told them I want a man, only a man, only a man. Okay, I go there, and uh, in walks in a woman. I'm like, no, no lady. They say, no, that's Ming. Her name is Ming. They thought I wanted Ming. I said, man, they're Chinese. I said, man, I said, I said Ming. I said, no, no, no. So I thought she was a little insulted, but I'm like, no, no, no. She walks out. Ten minutes later, she walks back in. I'm like, no. She said, no, I'm very strong. I'm like, no, religious, religious. They don't understand what I'm talking about. I said, religious, religious. I'm religion. No, you know, you want to hurt. I said, nothing against you, but religion, only man. She walks out again. In walks the, the owner, right? He says, what's going on? I'm like, I'm not, I, I don't want to, I don't want to exhaust I don't want to hurt them. I'm like, no, I, I, it's only, only man, only man. Okay, he didn't, he says, but I don't know how to give massage. The guy, the owner, right? He thought I meant, right? I'm like, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, I walk out. No, I can't. I'm not doing it. It's, it's, it's not even an assignment. It's not even a test. I'm not, it's not like, there was and you passed a big test. It's not, it's not, not happening. I walk out and three, three women were sitting there, you know, that, are, that, that do the acupuncture and all that other stuff. And I saw they were looking at me, so they must have been discussing, like, what is he talking like? They thought I said Ming. It wasn't Ming, it was man. So I said male. They never, they, were, they didn't know what I was talking about. But this is what happened. So first of all, I gave, I gave the, the, not the boss, but the lady, whatever, I gave her $20. I said, give it to Ming, because she came all the way in. With it. You know, I don't want to kill her shit. Just give it, tell her nothing personal. They were all looking at me, and I said, religious man with this, nobody touch him, only wife. That's what I told them. Only wife. They went, wow, very honorable man. Very honorable. They're like, what? Like, they didn't even understand that. I said, yes, Jews, Jews, Orthodox, religious, who wear this, only man. They were like, wow, very honorable. Very special Jewish men, very special. I left. Why that happened? Don't ask me. I went into Pesach, broken. <laughs> Let me tell you. My neck was out, my back was out, whatever it is. You have to think in every situation that you are, how you can make a Kiddush Hashem. So like, like to even explain, if someone puts their hand out to shake your hand, right, and you don't put your hand or whatever it is in the shot, so I'm not going to get into the whole thing, to explain, I'm a girl, only husband touched me. And they will look at that as, wow. It's not, you understand what I'm saying? You should say, I'm a I'm girl, Jewish girl, only husband, no one else. You can always make, no matter what situation you're in, you have to think, be proud of who you are, and, and make it Kiddush Hashem. So, yeah, so that was Pesach. My neck still hurts. I'm waiting for it to come on Sunday, whatever it is. But in every situation, a person can say, I'm Jewish, and this is what I'm telling you. The three of them, they're probably talking about it still to this day. They were like in awe. They were in awe, like, just your wife? That's it? They were like, wow. They probably never saw someone in any Yamaka anyway before. Right? Maybe they thought I was the Pope because I was wearing Amber. I don't know. But they were like, they were like, wow. So I'm just, just telling you the story because in any situation you ever are, 
be proud of who you are and explain who you are. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm an Orthodox Jew and I'm, and, I, and I'm different in a positive way. You never know. Someone puts out their hand and you say, a man puts out his hand and you say, I'm sorry, only my husband touches me. And, well, you're single. Well, until then, nobody touches me. He, he's going to walk away with huge respect for you. Just say it. I'm not going into the halacha, whatever it is. There's Rabbanim that hold. If it's just social, it's just social with the hands out, whatever it is. What you should do is you should always be carrying something in your hands so that can ask you to drop your, drop your stuff to shake his hand. You should try to make sure that it, you know, it doesn't happen. But in the business world and in school and all this other stuff, you say, listen, it's nothing personal, but, but you know, when I get married, that's the guy that can touch me. That's it. No one else. Why Because we're embarrassed of who we are many times. There's nothing to be embarrassed of. I am telling you, you should have seen the when I walked out, they looked at me like he's a weird, like what? And like, like, like he just wants, like he's a chauvinist, you know, like he just wants a guy because we're women and we're weak and whatever it is. That's, that was, I, I could see it in their eyes. And I walked out, they were like, wow, look at these guys. These men, Jewish men, that's it, just their wife. They were, I, I walked out, they were like, they were like, bowing. you know how Chinese are like? Honorable men. It was like, <laughs> Okay, nobody ever caught, you know, that's nice. Maybe I should give a shit to Chinese women. I don't know, we'll see. Okay, anyway, just want to tell you that story because that's what, that's what happened. And again, every, you're right, you're asking a good question. Like, don't be ashamed to, to be, who, be proud of who you are and what you are and what you stand for. Don't be ashamed of it. They understand that if you explain it to them. If you don't explain it to them and you just like, Ugh, they think like, oh, you think you're above us, you think we're dirt, like you can't shake my hand, like what? Your hand's going to fall off, like what? You know, you, you, it's this, you know I'm Satan. But if you explain to them, imagine you tell that to someone, put his hand down, I'm really sorry, it's nothing personal, but only my husband. And I'm not married, so until then, that's it. They'll be like, they walk away like, wow. No, that's it. That's it. I didn't, I didn't have a conversation with them. That's the law. That's the law. Okay, but now that his hand is out there, what are you going to do? Okay, that's, that's good enough. But he doesn't say, what does that mean? My, because of my religion, because I'm dirt, because I'm no good, because I'm what? He's just saying, I, I don't shake hands, no male touches me until I marry my husband. That's such a beautiful thing to say. It's honorable. It's very honorable. And you're also saying, have a nice day, because ain't nothing happening until I marry my husband. That's it. So you're, also, you're also defending yourself. You're also putting up a wall. And we need a lot of walls. I'm not going to get into it, but man, do we need a lot of walls. A lot of walls. Okay? But I, I hear what you say. Don't get into the whole discussion. It's not Chava and the, and the snake. Right? Don't get the guy saying, well, what's your religion and why not? That's, that's the law. There's no why not. Finish. End of the, end of the story. But you know what? They're not even asking you why not because you're saying only my husband. That's a very high level thing. No, that's, that's it. Like these people, that's, no, that, that makes sense. Right, so I'm not, I'm not talking about kosher. I didn't get into a whole thing with them. That, that would be a long conversation. What's kosher? What's not kosher? How does it go? This was just, I'm a Jewish man. I don't touch a woman. No woman touches me except my wife. There's no, there's no discussion after that. What's the discussion? Why? That's the law. There's no, there's no, it's not going anywhere. Like, what's your wife? What kind of wife? Like, who, what, who's your wife? Like, there's no discussion. It's over. So you tell somebody, I'm a, a Jewish girl. I'm Orthodox girl. And no, I don't touch anyone or let anyone touch me until, until my, only my husband. What's the discussion? Why? It's the law. That's it. It's over. You walk away and say, 
I, I think the guy would look at you and say, like, wow, that's so cool. I wish my religion was like that. You'll be like, this is who we are. This is what we stand for. I'm not telling you to go over to someone and start telling them that, but if someone puts their hand out, right, you just... Well, I've explained it in the past, in business. I've explained it, and they're very respectful. They're very respectful. Because you, you can start, if you don't explain it, you have to, like, why? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm a human being. You're a human being. Like, what? What? And why doesn't your religion let me shake hands? And why doesn't your religion let you shake my hand? Because I'm not Jewish? What am I, a dog? What am I, a frog? But when you say, my husband... It's out of the, it's not only religion, it's, it's moral and respect. We say, in my religion, no man can touch me except my husband. It's hands, there's no, there's, it's hands off. It's not like, I'm an animal, I'm a low life. No, my husband. It doesn't put them down. It puts the guy who touches you up. If you say it's my religion, they look at you, oh, so you're religion? Oh yeah, we know. The Jews think they're better than everyone else. That's gonna be their reaction. When you say, Nobody but my husband. You're not even talking. It's, it's, it's not putting him down. He's not your husband. You're not hurt. You're not putting him down. When you say religion, he's yeah, religion. Yeah, the Jews they think. Do, 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 do. And I'm like, so I, I I talk when I when I was in business or whatever it is. I I told them, said that this is touch between male and female is reserved for husband and wife only. End of discussion. And they respect like wow. That's like you take your marriage so seriously. It's not going any further, and it's not hurting anybody. Just the opposite. And it was an afterthought, because I saw they were looking at me like, right? And they were like, because I don't know who walks in there, who walks out, what ha- I don't know what goes on, right? But they looked at this guy with the yarmulke, who they probably never saw. I'm out in Jackson, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, right? It's the first time they ever met an Orthodox Jew, and he's telling them, no ming, <laughs> no ming, not happening. So I think yes. I think if you, if I think if you say it that way, it definitely puts puts your puts Jewish marriage on a higher level, puts relationship between a man and woman in Judaism on a higher level, and I think it's very respectful. So she's telling him when I get married, he's going to say you're single. You're going to say, right? But when I get married, it's him. It's left for him. I'm saving for him. No one, no one touches me except him. That's like very honorable. So, I, so I, I felt very awkward too. But I explained, not so awkward. If you say it like that, it's not so awkward. The best part, the best thing is to be carrying something that the person, you know, to leave someone's hand hanging is, is not such an easy thing to do. So the best thing is specifically to be, be holding your pocket or something, whatever books, whatever it is in both your hands. So then not, no one's asking you to drop your, drop your books. Sorry. I think if you explained it, it would be very honorable. Very honorable. All right. I don't want to get off too much on the subject. I was thinking about whether I should discuss it tonight. But I guess, I guess there's, there's someone in this room that needed to hear that. Okay. So, so, hello Ruth, how are you? Not good. I just came back from the doctor. I have an infection. Refua Shalema. Refua Shalema. There should be an antibiotic to help you. I haven't been here in ages. That's true. Well, it's Nissan, the month of Nissan. And today, still the yeshiva's not back, and I said, the girls, we're not, the girls don't have that zman. 
Boys yeshivas don't start till next week. Rosh Chodesh. Here. But girls don't, girls started already, so I decided to do this year. Anyway, j- just, um, let's go, let's go a, bit, a little bit into Ben Adam Mechavero. So, to make someone else happy, to give someone to smile, to, to, to show someone that you care, which is so important. I want to tell you that, Baruch Hashem, we had 1,440 people at our, at our Pesach program in Florida, and I didn't hear one word of complaint from one person about another person. There were modern people, the Chassidish people, there were regular people, there were Svadim. We had our own Svadim minion, Ashkenazim Svad mint. We had a Svad mint. We had a 7 o'clock Ashkenaz, a 9 o'clock Svad, and a 9.15 Svadi. And all of them together, there was a one complaint. That, oh, she, her skirt's too short. I don't like this. I don't like that. The Achtus was amazing. But the craziness was that there were 420 kids in day camp. Bulyayin Hara, King Yerbu. And there wasn't one bullying, uh, nobody, not one bullying complaint from one parent from any kids. You take 450 kids who don't know each other from all over the world and you put them in a day camp and no kid pushed another kid or didn't want to be friends with another kid. So we know that we had huge satisfaction. Me, the most important thing to me is that everybody gets along. Food was also good, but the weather in Florida was also good, but everyone gets along is amazing. Huh? Chasidim also. They died at the 9 o'clock minion. Actually, it was a breakaway. It was a 10 o'clock minion too. I'm not going to tell you who was there, but whatever, there was a 10 o'clock minion. Anyway, so that, that's like, that's, that's the most beautiful thing. When you see, you know, there was a Rabbi Heyer from the Holocaust um, Museum in, in, um, in California. He, Rabbi Heyer is like the main person today on the, on the Holocaust and he, he was there to speak and he spoke about so many different stories that happened in the Holocaust and, and in Auschwitz on Pesach. And um, I don't know the name of the Rebbe, but they were all sitting, they were all sitting, they, they had a piece of matzo about this big. Okay? And um, they were sitting, they were sitting on Hanukkah. They took um, black shoe, they took shoe polish from the Nazis' boots. There were these Jews that had to every day shine the Nazis' boots. So they took a little of the polish, a little of the wax from the boots, and they they, they made a, a candle for the first night of Hanukkah. And they were sitting around the barracks, and there was a, I forgot who the Rebbe was, I'm not sure who the Rebbe was, and they lit this little candle. And the Rebbe said, And then, and then, he came to Shekhiyanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanovikimanov
of great-grandfather, grandfather, father, and kids, four generations. I went to give out the frogs. We give out frogs by the, by the, by the Seder, frogs, and, and the, the Muppets, the ten, uh, the ten Makis. I give out a lot of stuff, right? You get these frogs that, frogs that jump and matzo balls, big bass balls, that matzo, whatever, don't ask. So, so we gave this out and I, and you know, you just walk into all these rooms and you see four generations of Kleifel and they're sitting there with their family, with the matzo, with the whole business and, and it's just, just, you see the power of the Jewish nation after coming out of, how long ago was it ready the Holocaust? There were six million Jews. And then, Baruch Hashem, we're rebuilding, and, and, and you see four generations in a room. Amazing. Kleistrol is amazing. Anyway, so I heard a story that was uh, actually of someone, I think it was a Munti. Um, he made a Sudas Haidah. Uh, the reason he made a Sudas Haidah that he was sick his whole life. As a kid, he was sick. As a teenager, he was sick. As a young man, he was sick. And finally, Whatever the sickness was, I don't know what it was. It finally went away um, after all those years of suffering. So he he made a party. He made a Sudlis Hida. And he got up to speak. And next to him was a doctor. A doctor. He invited a doctor. It was his doctor. And he got up. It's an amazing story. And he gets up and he says, um, I brought this doctor here because when I was young, um, this disease was, I had this disease and it was really bad and I was dying. And the doctors were outside my room, had a, they examined me, and they had a meeting, and I was listening. And they didn't know I was listening. And they said, there's no way this kid will live more than two weeks. He's, he's done. He says, and there was one doctor that said, I don't agree with you. He has such a good disposition. He has such a good personality. He's always smiling. He's always happy. Kids like that are survivors. He said, and I want you to know, he said to the doctor in front of everyone, I want you to know that because you did that, because I heard you say that, that gave me the strength. Everyone said, I'm going to die in two weeks. And you said that I could survive because I smile, because I'm happy. I made up my mind I'm going to survive. I feel the reason I'm here today is because you went against all the other doctors that said I'm not going to make it. And you said I would make it. Now the doctor gets up to speak. The doctor gets up and he says, I'll like read you what he said. He says, the story that he said is absolutely true, except for one thing, that I didn't tell him to this day, but now that he's totally healed, I will reveal it to you. He said, I wasn't talking about him when I said that. I was talking about the boy in the next bed. He said, I agree that he had no chance. What he overheard, I was talking about the other kid, that the other kid had such a good disposition that he's going to make it. So this boy heard what he's saying about the other kid, it saves his life. So the person who's besimcha and who believes, no, you're ridiculous. Isn't that a crazy story? That's crazy. I, I thought that was amazing. He wasn't talking about him. He overheard, he was talking about the other boy. But a person who's besimcha, a person who believes that he can be better, is going to get better. And that's the power of saying something positive to someone else. And you never know, you never know where that person is when you're telling them something positive. A girl got up to speak. Um, one night after the concert, I had two girls, a girl from the, a girl, um, a girl that went through a lot of trauma and a girl from my high school who's out of my high school for a long time. And I didn't tell them what to say. I try to tell you how a Baruch works. So this girl from my high school 
got up to thank me, whatever it is, not important. She, she was out of high school already two, two years. She wasn't doing very well. She was doing very bad. She was extremely depressed. This is how Kodesh Baruch works. And she goes into the bathroom and she fills her hands up, both hands with crazy amount of pills and she's going to commit suicide. She got up and said this in front of everyone. She said, I was done. I was going to die that night in the bathroom. I had my glass, my bottle of water and I had two handfuls of pills. And right before I, t- I was going to take them, I heard a text message on my phone. I went to look at the text message on my phone and I know exactly what, ha- what it was and it was tragedy. So-and-so just, oh, they found her dead in the bathtub, drowned and an overdose of heroin. That was the text that she got. That's what she saw. She said, I can't kill myself. I have to go to the bio. Crazy story. We hear a crazy story. I can't kill myself. I have to go to the bio. It was one of her closest friends. I have to go to the bio. Okay, put the pills back down. I'll kill myself tomorrow night. She got my sister in front of everyone. I'll kill myself tomorrow night. Goes to Levi. I was by Levi. I was one of my girls. Goes to Levi and watches the parents of the girl that, that OD'd, how hysterically, and the grandfather was screaming and yelling and crying. And she's watching this knowing that if she does the same thing, that's what her parents and her grandparents are going to look like. And she goes, I went to Levi, my best friend. And because of her Levi, I didn't kill myself. I said, no, I can't do that. I got to get better for my parents. I can't. I can't. This, is what's, this is what they're going to look like. I can't do it. She said, and now she's amazing. She got up to speak. She's amazing. She's an amazing girl. This is a few years ago. So the tragedy of the other girl dying, which she, she died, saved this girl's life. <laughs> like, not that someone spoke to her or talked her down or they pumped her stomach or something else. This other person died, she died, she was going to die, she died. Because of that, she said, I can't kill one. I would go to Levi the next day, I was sitting there, I was like, what? So Levi the next day, she goes to Levi and says, oh no, I can't do this. And today, perfect, not only perfect, she helped her, I mean, whatever, amazing girl. She got him a separate story, I was like, Hashem, that's crazy. That this girl, she was, mom, she had the pills in her hands, and, and she got a text from one of her friends. Someone so passed away. Levi is tomorrow. Oh, but I have to go to Levi. Imagine how deep you are that I, oh, I can't, I have to go to Levi. But you're going to do the same thing. It doesn't matter. I have to go to Levi. And that saves her life. She got a, that Hashem saved my life. Okay. That's, that's a story you're not going to hear anybody. No one else is going to tell you such a story. All right. Perek Pei in the Kabayasha. Listen carefully. A little bit Kabbalistic. A little bit scary. But... What another person could do for a person. So he says the following. In the times of the Arizal, so people were scared to sin because he would tell them, every time he met them, he would tell them every Avera, he was able to look at your, the lines on your forehead, and he would be able to tell you exactly what you did wrong. So he says the following story. Ish echol halach etzel hara ararat. There was a man who who went to this mountain, the Hare Ararat it's called. Who This man went with two rabbis. And they saw holes in the ground. And there was fire and smoke coming out of these holes in the ground. He heard, they heard someone screaming from underneath the ground where the smoke and fire was coming from. 
they said, oh boy, it must be, the, these holes are lead to Gehenim. Okay, they sat down, and they fell asleep. In their dream, they saw and they heard, they heard the voice of a man that was gathering bundles of thorns. And he was carrying them on his shoulder. And these two bad angels were behind him. And they would light these bundles of thorns in fire. And it would burn him. While he was carrying it, these things would burn him. And this man was screaming. And um, the, the malachim, right, were, were following him. Okay. So now these Sadiqim said to him, Manat, who are you? What a crazy punishment. They put, they, you, you carry thorns and they light them up and then you burn in the thorns? They're like, what's going on here? I'm a Yehuda and me, I'm a Jew. I did a lot of Averis. I don't remember my name. In Shemayim, every person has a Pasuk and that's, that's your ID. Right, you can look it up. Every girl has a pasuk, uh, the first letter and the last letter. Right, my name is Zechariah, so Zos Menuchasi Adayapoy Shevkibesia. Starts with a Zion, ends with a Hey, just like your name. Right, so everybody has a pasuk that connects to their name, and that's how you ID in Shemayim. And this guy didn't even know his name. Umemunim and the Gehenim, the angels of Gehenim, ain't right to Magaz Liashmi. They didn't want to tell me my name. Magamani Shechakti Yashmi. I forgot my name. Because of all the pain I'm going through. And five times a day they burn me. Every day three times. And every night two times. Why? Because I did the Avera of Gile Arayas five times. So, they asked him, where did you live? Where do you come from? He's from the Galil in Israel. He says, and I have a child, a young child. I died, so I didn't really, I didn't bring him up. But I have a young child that lives up there. And the Malach. I to the person who swore before he came to this world he's going to keep the Torah and he didn't. I to the hands that did things that shouldn't. I the feet that went to the, they shouldn't. Right? And as they as he they did this to him they would tell him all the errors that he did. He was in big trouble. This guy. Okay. This man who heard in his dream. This whole story, he went to the Galil. He knew there was a kid out there who didn't have a father, right? He went to find out what's going on. Is someone who just died and he left a little boy? This child, he works in the butcher shop. You should know that this kid is a Russia like his father, right? Just like his father was a bad guy and did all those sins. The kid also, okay. This man went to the butcher shop. 
when you watch this kid, he saw he's making jokes. He's a wise guy, this kid. So this Jew who saw his father in Gehenna, right, in that dream, said to the child, Vini, my son, Lechiti. You know, come with me. He had no father. He was a poor kid. He had nothing. He took him and he dressed him. And he gave him to a Rebbe. And this, this man who saw his, this kid's father learned with the kid a lot. Until he became a chashuva boy, a chashuva talmud. He taught him the haftara. And he brought him to Minyan. So this person in Gehenna, who is the father of this boy, who this Jew brought back, God should pay you back and comfort you the way you comfort me. Because when my son said over the Haftarah in Shul, they stopped burning me, they stopped the whole business, they stopped punishing me. And when my son said, Kaddish and Shul, they ripped up the whole Zadin, done. When he became, my son became a rabbi, became a rabbi. Remember, this was the guy that they were schlepping five times a day. They burnt him in his own, in his own thorns that he was carrying. He is now, his son became a rabbi because of this man cared. They put a crown on my head. This is the father that was in Gehenna. Put a crown on my head, the crown of Tzadikim. He said to this man, because of you, because you did this for me. You had a dream, you went after it, you changed my son's life, and now I'm in Ganeidim. Thank you. You should be praised that you brought me into Olam Haba. You should be you should be praised in this world, and you should be praised in the next world. Okay, that was it. Wow, what a story! He talks about a man that the voice said man and he saved his father. He says on the bottom, like this. He said when he when he told us when he had the dream, so he said that he left his wife pregnant. So he died, this man died when his wife was still pregnant. My wife was pregnant when I died. I don't know if she had a boy or a girl. Who's going to teach him Torah if he's a boy? Nobody likes me. Why is this Akiva? Rabbi Akiva from from Svira was Makabal Chapesh Achrov to who is this man that changed his kid? He went to find his kid. Bashal al and he said, Harry, who Aurel? He didn't even have a bris milah, this kid. So this kid was born. He had no father, and he was an Aurel. He didn't even have a bris milah. Miyad not Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva took him umalai and he gave him a bris milah. He shivu lefun of lumal Torah and Rabbi Akiva taught him Torah. Lo yoy shivu lefun of lumal Torah. Rabbi Akiva taught him Torah. 
I remember when I taught this. He didn't. It's not normal. He he didn't teach him until Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva didn't teach him until he fasted forty days for him. That's the kind of Rebbe he was. Yatza Basko Ba'arma, Alzer Atamasana. So, so Basko came out. So, let me explain to you the story. The the person that had the dream that saw the man was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva asked him in the dream, "Do you have any children?" He said, "I don't know if I have a boy or a girl. When I died, my wife was pregnant." Okay. So, he found out that there was a boy. He found the boy. The boy was not, didn't have a bris milah. He gave the boy a bris milah. He then fasted before he started teaching him Torah 40 days that he should be zeichet to take this kid who was a ben rasha and wasn't even, had a bris, that he should be able to teach him Torah. Now when he fat, you know what it is to fast 40 days in a row? And just eat at night? I don't even know if he, ate, he had to eat at night, right? So, a voice from Shemayim came out and said, Rabbi Akiva, why are you fasting for such a low life to this kid? He's not a tzaddik. He's not fasting for a tzaddik. That's who you're fasting for? So he, he fasted that, that Hashem should open up the heart of this boy. And should be able to teach him to read. Middles now, Kahal, Amu Bachu, Banu Achrav, Menu Heshmer Rabba, and he threw us up in Menagahenim. They let him out of Gehenim. Miyad Balu Rakiba Chaloim. This person who came out of Gehenim said to to Rakiba Chaloim, "To Nuach Dachu began eating. You should know that you shouldn't be upset. Shehitzel Kani Bedinu Shagehenim. You saved me from Gehenim." Now, there's two amazing things in, in this part of the Kavhanaki, which explains the story. Number one. Can you imagine a Rebbe fast 40 days for, every, for a student that they should be able to learn? Can you imagine the difference in the learning that would be? If a Rebbe would fast 40 days? But listen to what Shemayim said to him. When he came to him, the, the man said to him, Relax, Rabbi Akiva. You should relax. You know why? Because I'm in Ganeda. Which means that this person in Shemayim knew that Rabbi Akiva couldn't relax as long as he didn't know that he got the father into Ganeda. You understand what it means to care about another person? Fast 40 days, teach his kid, give him a brismillah, and the neshama in the other world said, you can relax now, I'm okay. No, Rabbi Kiva could not relax because he didn't know he was okay. That's what it means to care about another Jew. The kayach, what it, what it, to be able to care another Jew. This was a guy that was a Russia. He, 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 he messed around with five people. He wasn't, five arayas. He was on the lowest, lowest level. That's what Rabbi Kiva did. Okay, which brings us to the Tama Devaro, which in Mitzvah Shem we're going to learn every week because we need to grow in Rabbi Adam Lechavero. I think we're up to Mida Gimel. And Mida is the following. It's a Mida Gedayla. This is a big Mida. Shahari Enam Achila Yidei HaShliach. Forgiving somebody for what they did is not through a messenger. Elal Yodei Mamesh. Shalkadosh Baruch Hashem doesn't send malachim to forgive you because the Pasuk says, Ki imcha haslicha. I am with you when it comes to the slicha. Umahu slicha. What does it mean Hashem forgives? He washes away the sin. It's like washing away tzaya. 
A person has to be the same way. He shouldn't say, why should I fix what someone else messed up? He shouldn't say that. The person made a mistake. So Hashem could say the same thing. Why should I fix what you did wrong? You're saying, why should I fix You did something wrong. Why should I fix what you did wrong? Why should Rabbi Akiva fix what this guy went through? Right? So Hashem should say the same thing. Why should I fix it? You did something wrong. I should fix it, right? Hashem says, no, I am myself going to wash you from the Avera. Okay. So now let's look at, he has a story for, a practical example for everything. When a person suffers damage whose results will continue to disturb him, it will be fair for the offender who caused the damage to repair it himself. You hurt me. You fix it. I don't have to add, I don't have to come over to you. You hurt me. I don't have to fix it. You have to fix it, right? However, the offender is not always able to do so. So sometimes the victim has to repair the damage himself. Sometimes an offender negligently and shamelessly damages an outstanding and pious person, a good guy, knowing that the victim will repair the damage himself, even though it's better, although it's beneath his dignity to do so. You, you hurt someone, you're like, ah, he'll be okay. I'm not worried about it. If the injured party then shows his moral fiber and repairs the damage with his own hands and not through an intermarriage, he rises to a more, if you take care of it yourself, you are doing what Akash Baruch Hu does, so then you make a good welcome forgive the Jews. What's the practical example? He says the following. The pages of the calendar turned. Joyous events across the world were held in the halls of all sizes. When the time came for the Jacobi family to once more host the family Simcha, they again chose to host it in the yard of the building. I don't know if I told you, I did, but it was a while ago. Let's go back for a minute. This crazy story. It's sort of like someone borrows a thousand dollars from you and then he uses a thousand dollars to sue you. <laughs> You'd be like, what? I lent you a thousand dollars and now you're suing me with the thousand dollars? Like, I'm never going to forgive you for that. I gave it to you? And you're using it against me? I gave you the baseball bat to go play ball and you hit me with it? You mishigo? You crazy? You borrowed a thousand dollars to me and then you hired a lawyer to sue me because I'm on your property? You're never going to forgive someone like that, right? But no. Listen to the story and then we'll, and then we'll, we'll go back to it really fast. So there's a Jacoby family and they live in an apartment building and there's a yard in the back of the apartment building, okay? And downstairs they have a neighbor, Mr. Leibowitz. Okay. Now, they're going to him and they're saying, um, we're making shower brachas tonight and we're making shower brachas in the yard of the building. Can we plug the loudspeaker into the electricity of your house? They lived on the eighth floor upstairs. They're making a party downstairs. There's an apartment downstairs with an old man and they need a plug for the extension cord. So they go to him and they ask him, can we use the electricity? You're bringing loudspeakers, says Mr. Leibowitz. You're bringing loudspeakers? Not us, our father. I understand. Tell your father that he can use my electricity. Okay. Shkobi says, ah, I ran, tati tati, he lets. From that moment on, the stairwell of the building saw a constant flow of activity. They ran up and down the stairs, bringing everything they would need for the shabbos, tables, benches. Mr. Leibowitz, that's the old man that lived downstairs, cast an uncertain glance at the proceedings, making shabbos in a common yard of the building, Seemed like a strange idea. But they only asked him to use electricity. Okay, that's not so hard to make a Jew happy. Night fell, and the extension cord was drawn through a thin crack in his front door, connected to that. Short sounds, leather got there, everything's fine. Midnight approached, and the festivities were still going on. Speeches were being made, amplified loudly and a powerful sound speakers. The sound of the song and dance filled the air. Finally, Mr. Leibowitz, the old man downstairs, called Mr. Jacoby on his cell phone and said... Could you please stop using the loudspeakers? It's also, it's midnight, I can't sleep. Sure, sure, no problem, said Mr. Jacoby, and hung up the phone. Mr. Leibowitz wondered what 
Mr. Jacoby meant by soon. He said he's going to turn it off soon. A few minutes, a few hours. Could you tell your father, please, to stop? I have to get up early in the morning to go to my dafyami shir, Mr. Lieberwitz said. Now, Mrs. Lieberwitz said to Mr. Lieberwitz, why not just unplug the extension cord? Why? Pull the cord. Why are you asking them to turn off their music? We are giving them electricity. Pull the cord. So, why not? Indeed, he thought to himself, wouldn't that be the simplest solution? Where did they get electricity anyway from? They got it from the loudspeakers. So from his outlet, he got up to follow his wife's suggestion. It was his house, his electricity. Why not? Why should I give them the power to bother me? Just before he pulled the plug, he took a look out into the yard and reconsidered. The children were dancing, the guests were rejoicing, and at that very moment, they began a very festive dance around the chosen. How would they feel if he suddenly pulled the power, went out with a bang, leaving the entire Sherry Brothers in the dark? They worked so hard to prepare. Listen to how he flipped his head. And it was so important to them. Was it really nice to ruin their festivities? When his wife saw him hesitating, she said, would you like me to unplug it for you? No, don't unplug it. No matter how much they're disturbing us, I don't want to ruin their Sherry Brothers. Let us follow in the ways of Hashem. He continues giving us his gifts. He gives you the ability to have eyesight, but we look at the wrong things. He gives us the ability to hear, but we listen to the wrong things. He gives us the ability to talk, but we say the wrong things. He gives us the ability to walk, but we walk into the wrong things. He gives us the ability to, of our hands to touch, but we touch the wrong things. So you know what? It's the same story. Why don't you just pull the plug? Don't like, just pull the plug. And Hashem's like, no. They're, they're doing, they're having such a good time, and they're, they're such, they're, they're my children. I'm not pulling the plug. So by doing that, he didn't pull the plug. Okay? So now we're going back to this story, and I'll end with this. When the time came for Chikoli's family to once more have a family, they again chose to host in the yard. Chikoli to Mr. Simcha this time, he intended to do the right thing. He would keep the loudspeakers at a distant volume and would clean up afterwards. He hoped that he would not cause any inconvenience for his neighbors. Hope and intentions are one thing, reality is not. So this is the second time. This time the event was bigger. Jacoby tried to control the mess. It was all over the place. Of course, by setting up and dragging the benches and forth, the fence around the private parking was ripped. A week later, when the fence was still not repaired, Mr. Simcha, now, Mr. Simcha was in the next story. Mr. Simcha was another guy living there, and the last time they left all the garbage all over the place. And his job was to try to keep things neat. So this guy was also messed up by the party very big. Now, the fence was ripped. So he's like the caretaker. The simmer started to sing less favorably thoughts about Mr. Jacoby. You made a mess once. I cleaned it up for you. Now you damage my property and leave it like that? What kind of business is this? Oh, thank you. Each time he got out of his car and stared at the fence, bent out of shape. It's the same type of story. He played in his mind the conversation. Maybe I should offer him some of my tools to fix it himself. But then again, Mr. Jacoby is not great at setting up tables and benches, so he definitely is not great at fixing things. So this man who had to clean up their mess. And now the fence is broken. He could have told them, hire someone, spend the money. He could have given them the tools and said, fix it. He said, I guess I will. Me, the inner voice responded, you're going to do this? He's talking to himself. Who else? Who else is going to repair the broken fence? It's not such a hard job. He had gifted hands in an hour and a half, he could straighten out the fence. But what about the fairness? What about the justice? It's not fair. Why would he have to keep fixing the damage caused by this man, by these Jacobis? Was it right to treat a man his age that way? Later, as he sat with his family at the dinner table, his daughter Michal told him in her class started learning Torah Devorah as a merit of the sick brother of a classmate. Torah was known as his guru for recovery. Mr. Simchon 
raised an eyebrow. He said, really? You're supposed to be learning Shabbos and Sneas, and instead you're learning this? Tati, if you fix the fence yourself, then according to the Talmud of you will awaken the attribute that he removes that HaKash Baruch Hu will do it himself also. I hope you don't mind my skepticism. I want to see this for myself. Show me the Sefer. Michali, she took out the Sefer, and she showed him this Sefer and what it says. And what it says is that that if we have the ability, when we're not supposed to fix things, when people hurt us, but we go ahead and we break our midos, we break our midos, we force Hashem. I, I said this a long time ago. You want a miracle? Hashem doesn't just do miracles. A miracle is when someone breaks their personality. Right? When, when, when someone comes over to you that you don't like and you specifically help them. I just had this discussion with who? Just had this discussion. Well, I'll tell you who I had this discussion with. There's a guy that I know very well. He, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal about him about four months ago. And the article, everyone in Flatbush reads the Wall Street Journal, the article said that his company is worth $2 billion. The minute that came out, everybody's coming for tzedakah. Right now, I know he's about tshuva, and he's a friend of mine, and I know him, and he loves to give tzedakah. He loves to, to help people. Two weeks before Pesach, I, in, I was in shul davening with him, and I watched him. And I mamish saw that he totally changed. The people were sticking their hands in front of him. People didn't let him daven. They were showing him papers and letters for tzedakah. The mamish didn't let the guy down. You could see. So after davening, we happened to walk to someone and said, let's go for a walk. He says, what's going on? I'm like, you know, I used to make a lot of money. I used to give crazy checks. I used to give crazy money. And, and, and there were, wherever I went, wherever, oh, Wallerstein, oh, Wallerstein, oh, Wallerstein, you have money, you have stuck, you have what? I said, it came to a point where there was no Wallerstein. Nobody cared about me. They only cared about my money. And it bothered me. It's like, you don't care if, I, if something happened. You don't care anything. As long as you get your money, there's no Wallerstein anymore. I'm just, I'm just dollar signs, right? Wherever I went. Oh, Wallerstein. It wasn't like, oh, Wallerstein, how are you? I, well, I have a letter. It's a doctor. It's a doctor. Right. It just, I began to hate giving tzedakah. It, I began to hate giving tzedakah. I, didn't, I don't exist anymore. It's just my money. Right? I said, so how you doing? So how you doing? He goes, I cannot believe that you came over to me this morning. He said, it's Menashe He says, I don't like giving tzedakah anymore. He says, and I'm not able to daven. He's about true. He daven the long Shemana Esrei. And every five seconds, while he's in Shmonazri, because there's a lot of these Russians that they're not even religious, they don't they don't stop they don't stop for Kriyashma Kadusha, I don't even know if they do whatever it is. And they come around shore, they come by droves by cars, and everyone's sticking their hand in his face and he's trying to damage Shmon Astray. And even not Russians, people that uh the same is he's trying to dive. They don't let him dive. He says, I can't, I'm not gonna go to shul. I can't go to shul. I can't dive. Said you're wrong. Said you're hundred percent wrong. I said, the guy that puts his hand in your face by davening, Give him money against your will. First of all, my Rebbe, because I, I spoke to Rabbi Gamil about this, about today, I mean, by, by the Kaisal, forget it, you can't doubt it. By the Kaisal, every 10 seconds, there's someone in your face, right? And in Shul today, they come by cars and there's collectors all the time. I said to Rabbi Gamil, I, I, can't, I can't have Kavani. He says just the opposite. Our Tila today, most of our Tila, it says there's a, there's a wall of, of metal. How do you get your Tila into Shemayim? Tears. Tears, the Shari Demois, the gate of tears is always open. But otherwise, very hard. But 
It says that the Ani Ve'evyon, the broken person, his Tehillah always gets to Hashem. That Hashem has a special thing, but it's in Tehillah. Ani Ve'evyon, Hashem is always miscavel. So Rabbi Galil said, you're down in Shemaneser, you think your Tehillah is getting miscavel? The guy puts out his hand, and he's broken, and you put a dollar in his hand, you go through him, your Tehillah go to Shemaim. Just the opposite. The best thing that can happen to you is a whole Tehillah, you just keep giving out money. Because your tefillah, whatever you say, when you help an Evion, that's what gets the, the, your tefillah to go. I told it to this guy, he's like, wow. I said, and I talked about this. I said, every time you, when you give someone money and it makes you happy, so what's your scha? You're doing something that you enjoy. When you give money to someone you don't want to give, then you're only doing it because of the mitzvah tzedakah. There's a guy, this guy, follows me around, he puts his hand in my face, and then I used to, most of you give quarters. I used to give him a quarter, and he would say, that's it? That's all? And he would make like a real sour face at me. I was like, you know what? Give me back my quarter. Like, because Rabbi Gamil said to me, if someone, if you give someone tzedakah and they say, I don't want it, they're not real. A person who's real for tzedakah will take a penny. If you give something in someone's hand, he's like, no, take it back. That's not, that person's not real. That's what he always told me. Anyway, this guy, he's not real. He is the nastiest person, and he just, he's the guy that I always give a dollar. I break myself. I don't want to even give him a quarter. I'm like, everyone else, I give a quarter. This guy gets a dollar. Then when everyone sees me give him a dollar, they want a dollar. Whatever it is, because, because the Chaya Wallstein, I don't want to give him. I don't feel good giving him. And when I break myself, and give him extra. I am only giving it to him because there's a mitzvah of tzedakah. I have no enjoyment out of it. I don't like him. He bothers me, right? But afterwards, I feel like you broke yourself. You just broke yourself. You don't want to do this person a favor, and you did this person a favor. You broke yourself. The person doesn't deserve the favor for whatever reason, and you give him the favor that I could when you don't deserve. Everything you do in this world is mida connected mida. Everything you do. So, so if you want a miracle... You have, to, you have to do a miracle. How does a person do a miracle? Anyone in this room can do a miracle? If you want a miracle, you have to do a miracle. And the answer is that every person in this room and everyone watching can do a miracle. What's the miracle? Breaking. What's a miracle? What is a miracle? Breaking nature. Right? The am split. So miracles. Miracle means when God breaks nature. A person's nature is the same thing. And if you break your nature, this person hurt me. I plugged in his amplifiers and at 12 o'clock... He's keeping me up. Pull the plug. No. I'm going to break my nature. Let him listen for another two hours because I don't want this party to stop. And you have a right to ask a Kosh Barakal to do any miracle. Get married, have children, whatever you need. And you can help other people. When you break your nature, it's very hard. Trust me, I'm preaching. But most of the time that it happens, at that point, you're like, that's it, I'm going to do this from now on. I'm going to give people bracha. I'm going to break my nature. Someone's going to insult me. But when it happens, the blood rushes to your head and you're like, I'm not taking this from them. Oh, I should have done. If I would have done that, I could have done miracles. It's very hard. It's very hard to break your nature. It is a miracle. To break your nature is a miracle. When you hear a girl's bad-mouthing you, right, and you know stuff about her, and she told someone, the shots and everything about you, and the shidduch was broken, and you know stuff about her, and you're like, really? And then the same can comes to you and asks you about her, and you can break it because you have real information, and you say just the opposite. She's nice, and she's kind, you just, you just split the yamsuf. You just split the yamsuf. 
you have a right at that point. I don't know that you'll be able to do it. Because when you preach it, it ha- you can preach it. When it happens, it's very hard. Right? When you break your nature, you can you can do miracles. You can heal anybody. You can bring children into the world. You can you can save the whole world. So every person in this room has the ability to do a miracle. And if you do a miracle, you have a right to ask Hashem to do a miracle. And that's what this, that's why I'm learning Tomah Devorah because Tomah Devorah teaches us all these crazy things that people do to us and, and, and how not to carry a grudge and how to forgive, not only to forgive, but to even help the people that hurt you. And I had this test, this place. If somebody that was really hurting me, he did a very big favor. And I said, do it. And it was right. It was for one second, it was hard. And I said, Hashem, you're just testing me. Because I could have said no, and I could have said no with an excuse that the other person would not have known that I was taking revenge or anything because I had, re- I had a good no, a good reason to say no. I had a good reason to say no, a logical reason, and the people that, that who, who came to me that told me about the favor said, you should say no because, because you don't owe anybody any favor, whatever it is. And I probably wouldn't have done it for anyone else, but because I was so angry at this person, I said yes. That wasn't so easy about, as getting insulted in public. If you get insulted in public... It says, if you get insulted in public, you don't answer, right? You can ask Hashem for anything. So everyone's like, why don't you do that? When you get insulted in public, it's just so hard. The biggest problem when someone insults you in public is that if you don't answer, then everyone believes what they said. That's the hard part. In other words, someone said, oh, I know what you're doing, right? And you just sit there and say, stuff happens, right? Then everyone walks out and says, oh, my God. She, she didn't deny it. She didn't deny it. She didn't answer him back. Must be it's true. Wow, to be able to do that. To be able to do that, let people talk bad about you when you know it's not... The biggest crash in the world. So these are the days. These are the days of, of Ben Adam Chavero. These are the days to do miracles. These are the days to bring Mashiach. All right? So uh, that's our job. And you see from this story, it was the one guy, the kid heard, he said, because he's a happy kid, he has a chance... And he said, I, I was one of the doctors that said, you don't have a chance. You didn't have a chance. So he got him and said, the whole story is true. Except I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about the kid in the other bed. Saved his life. Saved his life. A good word. You never know what's going on in that other person's life. We should see the of the 24,000 that died during Sfira. Thank you for coming, everybody. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.